Welcome to the Stonebridge Community Church online worship service. Today you'll hear the Word of God read, the message from this weekend's in-person service, and two songs to guide you in worship. Thanks for joining us today. Good morning, everyone. I'm Pastor John. If you're visiting with us or I haven't had a chance to meet you yet, welcome to Stonebridge. Um, we are in a sermon series looking at some of the Psalms called Greatest Hits. We're just looking at a few of the Psalms. There's 150 of them. We're only looking at five. I don't know what that percentage is, but it's not a lot of them. But this morning we're looking at a familiar Psalm. So one of the things I, I tried to do was find a way to make it a little less familiar so we can hopefully hear it with some new ears. So I, I found this translation that was done by a man named Robert Alter. And what Robert Alter did, well, he's a scholar, and he studies the Old Testament. He focuses on the literary aspects of the Old Testament, on the way it functions as literature. So he wanted to put together a translation that kept intact a lot of the literary devices that you'll find in Hebrew, but in English. A lot of times with different translations, you'll find that it's either a, what's called a wooden translation, a word-for-word -word literal translation that just sounds weird and you miss all of the literary aspects of the actual Hebrew text, or you have somebody who tries to smooth it out so much that you lose some of the meaning. So he spent 24 years of his life working on this translation, and it came out a few years ago, which tells you it takes about half the time to translate the Old Testament as it does for George R. Martin to finish the Game of Thrones books, apparently. There's only a few of you who know what I'm talking about, but you really know what I'm talking about. But he spent 24 years working on this. So I'm going to be reading from this translation um, through the Psalms today. And it's going to sound a little different than what you're used to. But this is Psalm 23. It says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. In grass meadows, he makes me lie down. By quiet waters, guides me. My life, he brings back. He leads me on pathways of justice for his name's sake. Though I walk in the veil of death's shadow, I fear no harm, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, it is they that console me. You set out a table before me in the face of my foes. You moisten my head with oil, my cup overflows. Let but goodness and kindness pursue me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord for many long days. Let me read that one more time. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. In grass meadows he makes me lie down. By quiet waters guides me. My life he brings back. He leads me on pathways of justice for his name's sake. Though I walk in the veil of death's shadow, I fear no harm, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, it is they that console me. You set out a table before me in the face of my foes. You moisten my head with oil, my cup overflows. Let but goodness and kindness pursue me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord for many long days. This is the word of God. Please pray with me. Lord, guide us. You are our shepherd. We ask that you guide us throughout our lives, but guide us now through this psalm. Through this poem that was written over thousands of years ago, Lord, help us 
to understand how you are with us, how you walk with us, how you guide us. Help us to be aware of your presence at a deeper level, Lord. And speak to us through this psalm now. We thank you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. So Psalm 23, as I mentioned, it's familiar and it's famous. I think it's the most famous of the Psalms, and it may not be just the most famous of the Psalms. It may be the most famous passage in Scripture. You hear it often when you're at a funeral or memorial service, but you also see it in popular culture, in movies, in TV shows, in songs. For me, whenever I hear Psalm 23, the song Gangster's Paradise by Coolio starts going through my head. If you grew up in the 90s, you know exactly what I'm talking about. I'm also an auditory learner, so it just happens that the song starts playing in my head. But each of us, I think, has some sort of connection with Psalm 23. We've heard it. We've heard a line from it. We're familiar with it. A lot of the times, the passages that become famous in the Bible, they do so because they're taken out of context. But with Psalm 23... I think by and large, it's famous for a lot of the right reasons. It's a beautiful, vivid poem. It has distinct imagery that stands out. It's one that we can connect with easily. And I think it also stands out because it serves as a summary of all of the Psalms, I think. It summarizes the basic message of the Psalms. There's an Old Testament scholar named Walter Brueggemann. He's somebody who has written extensively. In fact, it's been said that he doesn't have an unpublished thought. And he has some writing he's done on the Psalms. And he classifies the Psalms into three basic categories. He says any of the Psalms, all 150 of them, you could take any of them and put them into one of these categories. The categories are Psalms of orientation, Psalms of disorientation, and psalms of new orientation. Out of all the 150 psalms, you could find any of them and fit them into one of these three categories. With psalms of orientation, what Brueggemann says is that these psalms focus on moments of well-being that evoke gratitude for the constancy of blessing. They focus on moments of well-being that evoke gratitude for the constancy of blessing. These are those psalms where there's just thankfulness there. There's gratitude. There's a recognition that life is going well, that God is good, that God is in control. A good example of this is Psalm 24. And for each of these, I'm going to read you an example so you can see what Brueggemann is talking about. But Psalm 24 says this, The Lord's is the earth and its fullness, the world and the dwellers within it. For he on the seas did found it, and on the torrents set it firm. Who shall go up on the mount of the Lord, and who shall stand up in his holy place? The clean of hands and the pure of heart, who has given no oath in a lie and has sworn not in deceit. He shall bear blessing from the Lord and bounty from his rescuing God. This is the generation of his seekers, those who search out your presence, Jacob. Lift up your heads, O gates, and raise up eternal portals, that the King of glory may enter. Who is the King of glory? The Lord most potent and valiant, the Lord who is valiant in battle. Lift up your heads, O gates, and lift up eternal portals, that the King of glory may enter. Who is he, the King of glory? The Lord of armies, he is the King of glory. You see in that psalm, 
Everything is right. The earth is God's. God is in control. God is ascending to the throne. God rules over all of creation. Things are good. It's just praise. That's a psalm of orientation. These are the psalms that we connect with in those moments in our lives when things go well. You get a job that you were hoping for. You're accepted into a school you've been hoping to go to. You get a raise you've been needing. A new child is born. Those moments when God's blessings are apparent and constant, those are the psalms of orientation that we can connect with. That's the first category Brueggemann talks about. The second one he talks about are psalms of disorientation. And these are psalms that focus on moments of hurt, alienation, suffering, and death. These evoke rage, resentment, self-pity, and hatred. Once again, these are psalms that focus on moments of hurt, alienation, suffering, and death. These evoke rage, resentment, self-pity, and hatred. These are those psalms where when you read them, they make you a little uncomfortable. These are the psalms where the psalmist is asking God to curse the children of his enemy. Asking God to make the children of his enemy orphans. The ones where you just wonder, are these feelings okay? These are the psalms that are full of anger, full of rage, or they're full of what we would call depression. And they don't resolve at the end. The situation doesn't improve. They leave you in the uncomfortable feelings. Psalm 13 is a good example of this. Psalm 13 says, How long, O Lord, will you forget me always? How long will you hide your face from me? How long shall I cast about for counsel? Sorrow in my heart all day. How long will my enemy loom over me? Regard, answer me, Lord my God. Light up my eyes, lest I sleep death. Lest my enemy say I've prevailed over him. Lest my foes exult when I stumble. But I in your kindness do trust. My heart exults in your rescue. Let me sing to the Lord, for he requited me. This psalm is expressing times of trouble. There's some trust there expressed at the end, but it's trust still unfulfilled. You're left in the tension here in these psalms of disorientation. These are the psalms that we connect with when our lives are falling apart. When we're experiencing grief, when somebody has tried to harm us, when we look around at the world and we see all the injustice of the world and those who are unjust seem to do so well, and when it's all left unresolved, these are the psalms that we connect with in those moments of our lives, the psalms of disorientation. And then the third category that Brueggemann has is psalms of new orientation. Psalms of new orientation focus on moments of surprise, when we are overwhelmed with the new gifts of God, when joy breaks through despair, where there has been only darkness, there is light. Once again, these are psalms that focus on moments of surprise, when we are overwhelmed with the new gifts of God, when joy breaks through despair, where there has been only darkness, there is light. These are the psalms where there's some tension. There's some good and there's some bad. There's a challenge that is present, but there's hope in the midst of it. There's the beginning of healing. Psalm 138 is a good example of this type of a psalm. Psalm 138 says, I acclaim you with all my heart. Before God's I hymn to you. 
I bow toward your holy temple, and I acclaim your name for your kindness and your steadfast truth. For you have made your word great across all your heavens. On the day I called, you answered me. You made strength well up within me. All kings of the earth will acclaim you, Lord, for they have heard the words of your mouth, and they will sing of the ways of the Lord, for great is the Lord's glory. For high is the Lord, yet the lowly he sees, and the lofty from a distance he knows. Though I walk in the midst of straits, you give me life in spite of my enemy's wrath. You stretch out your hand, and your right hand rescues me. The Lord will requite me. O Lord, your kindness is forever. Do not let go of your handiwork. Overall, this is a psalm of thanksgiving, but if you notice, in verse 7, it says, Though I walk in the midst of streets, present tense, the wrath of the enemies is still there. It's still present. But there's hope. God is there also. These are the psalms where you're living in tension. These are the psalms that you connect with in those moments in your life where healing begins, where you've gone through a difficult time, you've gone through a trial, or in the, you're in the midst of it still, but the healing has started to begin. You realize that there's light at the end of the tunnel. You realize that there's hope. These are the psalms where hope breaks into your life. So with each of these types of psalms, I think this is really how our life functions. We go through moments where things are good, things are solid, and then things fall apart. And then you learn and you grow and you start to see that there's hope and it's going to be okay. And hopefully in the midst of that, your hope in God's ability to restore this world at the end is restored as well. A deeper hope sets in. These psalms, these three different categories, I think it really does work to categorize not just the psalms, but our lives as well. And that's where I say Psalm 23 is a summary of all of the psalms. When you look at Psalm 23, there are three distinct scenes in it. And Brueggemann would say that Psalm 23 is a psalm of new orientation, but I'm going to challenge that actually. I think he's wrong about that. I think Psalm 23 encapsulates all three of the different types of psalms. I know he made the whole paradigm, but I think I can challenge that. The pupil becomes the master. But I think it really does capture all three of these different types of psalms in one. Like I said, there's three different scenes here. Psalm 23 opens up with this picture of the meadows. You get this peaceful image. There's still waters there. It's a moment of orientation where things are stable. Things are consistent. It's a picture of orientation. This is the way life is supposed to be lived. It's one of those moments I think we all hope for, we all long for. We think back to memories where things were right, where things were good. But very, very quickly, the scene shifts in Psalm 23. And all of a sudden, we are in the valley of death's shadow. The King James has this as the valley of the shadow of death. You'll see different translations though. The NRSV says the darkest valley. The Hebrew word that is there for darkest valley or valley of the shadow of death, that, that shadow of death, that phrase, that word, what it evokes in Hebrew is a darkness that is so complete, so total, so absent of any sort of light that all you can think of is the finality of death. 
We've gone a long way from those meadows where the still waters are there in just a few short verses. It's a moment of disorientation. It's a moment of discomfort. It matches those moments in our lives perfectly. But then we end up at the end of this psalm at the house of the Lord. Now, I don't know what you thought of when you thought of the house of the Lord, but what the psalmist is talking about is the temple. That is the house of the Lord in ancient Israel. The temple was the connecting point where God was available for human beings, where the divine met the earthly. The temple was not heaven. It was not in some perfect reality. It was in this reality. But the perfect God met us in this broken reality in the temple. It was a place you could go to to connect with God. Not to just escape your life, but to be reoriented. To have a new orientation towards God and then go back out into your life. The temple was a place of refuge. It's a moment of new orientation where hope breaks in. You see with Psalm 23, it's a journey through our lives. It's a journey that we all walk. You have the moments where things are stable and things are good. You have the moments where everything falls apart. Then you have the moments where hope breaks in and you realize things are going to be okay again. So Psalm 23, it really does summarize all of the Psalms. It encompasses the whole message of the Psalms. But in another key way. Psalm 23 actually encompasses the entire message of the Bible, I think. It summarizes the basic message of Scripture. And what I love about it is there's almost a a code here. Hebrew poetry has all sorts of literary devices in it that we miss oftentimes when we read it in English. And one of the ways in which Hebrew poetry presents its key idea is not by putting it at the beginning of the poem or the piece of writing as a thesis statement. And it's not by putting it at the end like a conclusion or a climax. More often than not, when you look to Hebrew writing and Hebrew poetry, the most important idea will be right there in the middle. It's like a mountain where you climb up to the peak of it and then you descend back down the other way. And at the very top of the mountain is the key idea that you're meant to hold on to. And oftentimes, the actual number of words gives you an indication of what the key idea is. So here in Psalm 23, if you were to go and look at it in Hebrew, go and read it in the Hebrew text and count out the words, the phrase that's right there at the middle is that line, you are with me. That's what Psalm 23 is focused on. That's the core of its message. You are with me. It's right there in the middle in the Hebrew text. Whatever stage of life you may be journeying through, the most important thing that you can know is that God is with you. Isn't that ultimately the message of the scriptures also? That though we have fallen, God continues to reach out to us, to be with us. God made this relationship with Israel to be present with humanity. God came in the form of Jesus so that we could know who God is, and that at the end of it all, as the book of Revelation tells us, God will dwell with us in the new Jerusalem, the new heaven, and the new earth. You are with me. That's the message of the Bible. 
Whatever it is you're walking through, journeying through, whether it's a moment of gratitude, whether it's a moment of grief and anguish and sadness and anger, whether it's a moment of hope, God is right there. You may not always feel it, but the truth of the scripture is God is right there walking alongside you. That's one of the reasons I think Psalm 23 is as famous as it is. It encompasses that message of the Bible that is so simple yet so profound. So may you be aware of God's presence. Whatever it is you're journeying through, may you know that God is there with you. And may you trust in God's presence. Please pray with me. Lord, you are with us. Though we lose sight of that fact, though it's easy for us to get caught up in our day-to-day lives, it's easy for us to get caught up in grief and sadness and anger, it's easy for us to get caught up in these lives that we live, Lord. You are with us. Help us to know that. Help us to be aware of that. Help us to live our lives with that knowledge. And help us to feel that, Lord. Especially in those moments where you feel absent to us. Remind us that you are there. Remind us that you are with us. Remind us that your rod and your staff, they console us, they guide us. You are the shepherd, Lord, guiding us through this journey. Help us to follow you. And Lord, as we continue our worship, taking offering now, we ask that you bless this offering so that people in our community would know that you are with them that through us they would be made aware of your presence and that they would place their hope in you and your resurrection, Lord. Lord, use this offering towards that end and use us as a church to help others know that you love them, that you care for them, and that you are walking alongside them, Lord, in whatever it is they're experiencing. We thank you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. I won't be wanting I won't be wanting He makes me rest He feels a breeze In quiet streams Even though I want Death and dying I will not fear If you are with me You are with me Shepherd's down Comfort me of enemies surely goodness will follow me follow me 
house of God forever. I won't be wanting I won't be wanting He makes me rest In fields of green In quiet streams Even though I of God forever the house of God forever the house of God forever
creation song this is my hallelujah come this is why it's to you i run this is my resurrection song this is my hallelujah come this is why it's to you Holding on to you I 